0: The following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Welcome to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is RJ Bell college
1: football week eight edition with my wise guy roundtable. to my right, Brad Powers. to my left, Ken Thompson and special guest, Steve Fezzik. this guy, Mr. NFL killing it on the NFL dream preview. But fact is he knows more college football than 99% of professional batters, I would say. It's great to have him here. And man, what a show. What a show. We're so excited. We're talking. We're going to have best bets, obviously, three of them. We've got the biggest crossfire we've ever had. It's Fezzik against both Ken and Brad. I mean, this is unbelievable. It's Fezzik's best bet. They both disagree. We got two big smart money games. We got one double like. We've got pros versus Joes. And we've got the key questions of the week, public pounders. But the way we always start is Brad versus the world. First game, this is the Associated Press disagrees with Brad's power ratings on Michigan State. Brad, tell me what you've got. Tell me what the AP has.
2: I have Michigan State power rate as the number 28 team in the country. The AP poll has them number 18 in the country. So, obviously a difference of 10 spots. That means I think Michigan state is overrated as far as the AP poll goes, but there's a caveat this week because I, yeah, I think they're overrated as far as the associated press poll, but I actually think Michigan state in Vegas is slightly underrated because of a couple of their performances where some misleading finals, including last week's game against Minnesota. So it's that rare instance where, and they're two completely different separate entities Vegas and the AP poll overrated in one, a little underrated in the other.
1: Okay. And it goes to show you not only can there be the difference of overrated or underrated compared to the AP or compared to the Vegas perception, but additionally on a given game, there can be factors other than the baseline quality of the team. And those factors can lead you to like or lean one way or the other. So in this game, we've got Michigan State favored by six and a half at home
2: versus Indiana. Lean or like? I actually like Michigan State here, minus the points. And I kind of already teased it. They're off a misleading three-point win over Minnesota last week where they got backdoored late. That was a game with seven minutes left. They're up 30 to 13. Should have won the game comfortably. Should have covered the game and didn't on the flip side where we're finding additional values, Indiana's down 10 to Michigan four minutes left in the fourth quarter. Michigan hasn't allowed a single point all year in the fourth quarter. Somehow Indiana gets 10 points there forces overtime. So a little bit overrated Indiana team. And plus the topper for me, Michigan state has revenge. They had beaten Indiana seven straight times last year. They get outright upset. I think they want a little bit of revenge on their minds. All
1: right, Brad powers likes Michigan state. Ken Thompson, You have a real interesting question about this Indiana quarterback
3: situation. Yeah, and I like Richard Lagow. He's a pure passer, and he's somebody that came out in that opening game against Ohio State and actually had Indiana up 21-20 with five minutes to go in the third quarter. They end up losing and not only losing, but they end up not covering the game. But they played well, and I like the kid. I think the kid has a a big upside. Now, they bring Ramsey, and Ramsey's more of a dual threat. He can run the ball better. But he doesn't throw the ball on the money, and that's the problem. He's missed a lot of wide open receivers in a couple games that he's been in, and I think they've squandered some chances. Why he gives him, you know, again, that dual threat, and he can run it more effectively than Legow. I still would like to see Legow in there with his arm and with his, I mean, some of the passes when he hooks up with a receiver like Simi Cobbs who's going to play at the next level. I mean, to me, that's a lethal combination, and that gives them, you know, somebody that can put the ball only where the receiver can get it. Ramsey, in my estimation, can't do that, at least not yet in his career.
1: Okay, so in the game itself, with Michigan favored by six and a half, leaner like
3: you know, I I lean towards Michigan State just because it's under a touchdown. It, it, it to me, it's a game I'm not going to play. RJ, uh, it, it, the game could go either way, really. The the way that uh, Indiana's scheduled too. When you look at it, their losses are to Virginia, Penn State, Michigan, and overtime. So it's not like they've just you know flat out lost to bet uh, and they lost to Ohio State. So I mean, they've played a. a You know, a tough schedule, and I think uh, Indiana's going to be right there, but Michigan State, I respect their defense. I'll stay away, and they are at home. All right. Steve Fazek, thoughts on the game?
0: I like Michigan State. I want to pontificate on what Brad was saying. He talked about seven minutes to go. How about one and a half minutes to go? It's 30 to 20. So Sparty is up 10. They got the ball in the red zone. The game is over. They're running out the clock. The only question is, do they punch it in to win by 17 or do they win by 10? I think Minnesota is every bit as good as Indiana. They're playing on the road in Minnesota. They punk them. They're up double digits the whole game. Then there's a holding call. Okay, they settle for a field goal attempt. They miss it, a short field goal. Somehow they play prevent defense, and they let Minnesota get in the back door. They only win by three. They should have won by 13. They win this game by 13. Now we're laying nine instead of laying six and a half. This is really cheap, and it will not last. I would get
3: on it now. Minnesota, okay. first off, is not as good as Indiana. Minnesota lost to Maryland to a third-string quarterback. The in team's team Texas lost. In in his fir- but they had their starting quarterback okay. in that game, the opening game in Austin. This is a third string quarterback making his debut, goes into Minnesota and beats the Gophers.
2: Where do you have those teams, Brad? I have uh as far as Indiana's probably uh, I would say the three or four points better than Minnesota. Okay, so i this say that Sparty instead of yes. at Minnesota.
1: Okay. So Fez with a strong one. Now you won't have a, a like on every game or even a lean. You're here to counterpunch punch good stuff to start. So seems like pretty much, I mean, it's a matter of degree, but all three of you like Michigan state, but Fez, you are as good as you are picking the games. You might be even better, quite frankly, at projecting line moves uh, in the NFL. You post your line move predictions on Tuesdays now, right? It's coming out tonight. Yes, all right, sir. So we're taping Tuesday. This comes out the pod on Wednesday morning and Once that's out, you can jump over to pregame.com and check those line move predictions. And remember, if you like a certain team and Fez says the line is going to go against you, you bet now. If you like a team and Fez says the line is going to get better for you, you wait. Now, how does that equate out to profit? Well, if the line doesn't move at all, it's a wash, so it doesn't matter. But if it moves in your favor, let's say you gain a half point, it could be more. And if it doesn't move, if it actually moves against Fez and thus against you, then you lose a half point. Fez, you've been doing this multiple years. You're upwards of 70% right on the line move predictions publicly now. This is public. You can't win 70% of your games, but Fez can predict the line moves about 70% of the time, which means you get a better number when there's a change 70% of the time for free. How much do you pay for a half a point? Well, if it's off a three or seven, it's even more, but typically 10 cents What's the VIG 10 cents. So when Fez is right, seven out of 10 times, it's almost like you're gaining as much as the bookie charges you for the VIG. It's that important. Next game, the public pounder. This is one where the public is pounding Wisconsin, 83% of the tickets, 92% of the cash. Wisconsin is favored by 24 at home against Maryland we got two leans on this one. Let's start with Ken Thompson.
3: Well, uh, no, and uh, this is the one that I passed, RJ.
1: Oh, okay. I must have mistyped that one. So you actually went with the pass on this one.
3: Um, okay. And the Brad. reason the reason is because I think the line oh. is right on the money. I, I mean, 24 to me because Wisconsin is an underachieving offensive team. They have the brawn on the offensive line. They have the running game with Taylor. And Hornybrook barely gets touched half the times. But this team just does not run it up. They could not even score a point against Purdue on their home field on Saturday. That's absolutely pathetic. We
1: give the boys one pass, one total, and otherwise leaner-like. So this is one. We've got 14 games today, the only pass from Ken. Brad,
2: leaner-like. Yeah, I lean with uh, uh, Wisconsin in this one. And it's almost borderline-like for me. I do think you know the 24 sounds about right as far as the line goes. But – Here's where I think there's some value. You mentioned you know, Wisconsin couldn't score in the second half last week against Purdue. That's because they're busy turning the football over in the second half. They had three long drives all inside Purdue territory. They turned it over three times, including one inside the five-yard line. They absolutely dominate Purdue in the box score. Almost outgained the Boilers by 300 yards and only win the game by eight. That's a misleading final. Should have been an easy double-digit win for them, and it wasn't. That gives you value. And on the flip side, Maryland looked worn down last week at the line of scrimmage against Northwestern. Well, I'm here to tell you, if you're getting worn down by Northwestern, things aren't going to look so pretty when you're playing Wisconsin the very next week.
1: We always talk about motivation. When you get up over three touchdowns, how much desire does the team have, the better team to dominate? How would you rate that with Wisconsin this week?
2: Uh, Average, although I will say it helps that they didn't dominate the scoreboard last week. So I think there'll be slightly more motivation to, you know, finish their drives that they didn't do last week.
0: Steve has Yeah, I like Wisconsin. What Brad was saying about wearing down, there's a reason they wore down. They played Ohio State. Their defense faced 86 snaps and they just got totally dominated against Northwestern. That defense was on the field for 35 minutes. Northwestern ran 93 plays. So they've run 180 plays on defense. They're gassed and they got to go up against the road graders. Those big O-linemen of Wisconsin. Bad spot. So, Brad, you
1: had Wisconsin as one of your long shot best bet. You have, is it 80 to one in your
2: pocket? 80 to one. And uh, it's uh, a big brain on Brad. Am I, get, am
1: I buying into that one? What's the current well, line? What's well, the current odds?
2: The, the problem is Mr. Fezzik already bought into it way ahead he'll, ahead he'll, of he'll back he'll in like, March. We'll talk after. He'll let okay.
1: that thing go. He'll let it go. <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't gobble up those edges, does he? <laughs> <laughs> Pregame.com. I'm RJ Bowler. We got a extended wise guy Roundtable. Brad Powers, Ken Thompson, Steve Fezzik sitting in from the NFL Dream Preview. Doing okay so far. I told you if I didn't like the first couple games – you were just – we're, we're going to turn your mic off?
0: I got the cab running
1: outside. You're too- <laughs> Uber, baby, Uber. All right, game three. We've got a historic line on this baby. Alabama favored by 34 and a half, hosting Tennessee. This is the biggest underdog in the history of Tennessee football. No – oh, last 20 years. No, when it's – you know, Blue Moon's not out. This is – the most, well, I guess you could say the most ex- expectation of domination against Bama. Before we get into the leans and likes on this one, open question of the roundtable. Nick Saban typically, or at least from my observations, hasn't run it up as much the last few years as you might expect. One, he doesn't need style points. It's Bama. Number two, it feels like, and, and Brad, you've talked about this. Is He is a defensive coach. He likes to have good defensive stats. And thus, if you slow the game down to the fourth, you don't let the other team come back when they're down 30 and get 150 extra passing yards. And also my sense is he doesn't need the fourth quarter time. He'd rather practice ones versus twos if he wants true competition. He'd rather just get out of there with the win. So the theory is if you're laying 34, 34 and a half, and the coach is going to sit on it up, up, let's say, 28 in the fourth, well, you're not as inclined to lay it. Open question, what do we expect? What has Saban done the last couple years different than other coaches? Has anything changed recently? Do you expect anything different in this game?
2: Uh, Here's what's changed a little bit recently, and they do have a couple of monster blowout wins against SEC competition this year. I think the big difference is they have a second-string quarterback that many feel is better than the first string quarterback, and I think when he gets in there, the offense in in some instances he's a better thrower than, than Jalen Hurts. And I think you know just because of his overall talent, you know it's not like a normal backup going in there. It's a guy that's legitimate, and they're still scoring some points. Only in dreams that insight. So it makes
1: so much sense. Only on the dream preview from Brad Powers is, hey, you've got a quarterback so good as a second stringer, even if you're somewhat conservative, he's going to perform well, better than you'd expect. And number two, if Saban in the back of his mind is wondering, let's see what this guy can do. He's going to let him kind of stretch his legs a little bit to see, hey, are we going to maybe make a switch at some point?
0: Wow, I love it. Any other thoughts on that question? I think real quickly, historically, when Bama gets up 35, they win the second half like 10 to nothing. They had two games this year, non-conference, Fresno State and Colorado State, where their defense gave up touchdowns, multiple touchdowns. And I think Saban was very he upset. Gave up multiple touchdowns late in the game? Yes. And that's something normally they win 10 nothing. That's why they don't cover the second half. So I think Saban was obviously upset with his second-string so, so defense. So that pitch
1: maybe when he wouldn't be so fever pitch and the players know he's watching like he cares right now. Yes. And he's upset with the second and third stringers on defense. So if you got more offense than you'd expect, fiercer defense than you expect, not as inclined to think, Oh, second half, they're going to sit on it. All right. Ken Thompson, leaner like in this game,
3: I lean Alabama. Okay. Interesting. Here's why right now, butch Jones is grasping at straws. So he puts Guarantano in there the young quarterback who right now is kids up against it. They didn't score a touchdown against South Carolina. Yeah. They had a chance inside the final seconds to get the win. They didn't get the win. I watched the game back. John Kelly's really the workhorse. They, I mean, Dormity is a better quarterback, but he's given up on him. Why? Cause he knows he's out the door. He's praying that maybe he could find lightning in a bottle in Guarantano not going to happen. They're not going to score a point unless something fluky happens like a special team score or their defense maybe causes a fumble or something, but I don't see Tennessee scoring. I see Bama opening it up, and you'll have a similar score like that 66-3 route of uh, Mississippi. I think it's going to be somewhere in that neighborhood, like 52-3 to or 52 nothing, somewhere in that neighborhood. So why on- only the lean? Because uh, you know, that's the thing is maybe, you know, because A lot of points. It, it's a lot of points, and also... You know, Bama's a little bit banged up. Linebacking core is banged up big time. Why even risk injury? Why not you're up 45 nothing or 40 nothing? Why not, you know, Just go about your business, run out the clock, run the ball. You've got a stable running backs. Najee Harris is a guy you're going to try and get the ball, get him more carries because Damian Harris, Damian Harris, your leading rusher is a little bit banged up. So maybe you get the ball a little bit more to your backup.
1: No, I think the logic is right, right? To me, I don't, I'll be candid. I don't bet as much college. I cannot remember the last time I laid 30 in college because as much as we might say, Hey, good quarterback. So maybe he's giving him some cracks. Oh, defense is going to be somewhat fierce there's so much uncertainty at this kind of spread. I mean, you can be up 41 uh or 44 and you know a couple fluke plays at the end. So, not that any play is a sure thing, but I think that one of the reasons wise guys love underdogs is your interests are always aligned with the team you bet. If they're losing the game, they want to lose by less, and if they're winning the game, they want to win the game. If you play a favorite, and Bama's up by 28 with two minutes left, your interests in theirs are very different at that point. They just want the game likely to be over, and you want them to score that last touchdown. Brad,
2: lean or like? I lean with Alabama, minus the points, and it's more of a play against Tennessee. Cannot bring myself to having a Tennessee ticket. Here's an offense that hasn't scored a touchdown in 10 quarters, and if they're not scoring a touchdown in the second half against Massachusetts, against Georgia, against South Carolina, I don't see them moving the football well here. I lean with the Crimson Tide, who do have a buy on deck.
1: Same logic, though, why it's not a like?
2: Uh, yeah, I just, I would say, RJ, you're right. I probably only play a four-touchdown-plus favorite once or twice in a college football season. This isn't the spot for me.
0: Anything, faz. Make it the hat trick, um, lean to Alabama, and I do think that with the coach on the hot seat, they should have showed up the last three weeks against South Carolina. Now, only could they not move the ball, RJ? Their defense Gave up points. There were three O linemen missing for South Carolina in an all in game to save the coach's job. Uh, this is a dead team.
1: Pregame.com, Wise Guy Roundtable. This is the Dream Preview College Football Edition. We've got Florida State favored at home, six and a half, hosting Louisville. Brad, I want to start with Lamar Jackson. You actually were way ahead of the curve with Jackson last year.
2: Yeah, my first uh, time on ESPN uh, radio was uh, when you guys were doing a local show, and you asked me out of nowhere, hey, you got an Eisman sleeper? I'm like, how about Lamar Jackson? He's 100 to 1. Do you I, have tape on that? I, you were supposed to find the tape on that. <laughs> I was there. It's yeah. true. It's true. And, uh, you know, I was just a guy that was everyone was overlooking. He had a dominant spring game. He had a, a great last three games of the previous season. So that was my, you know, coming to, to Jesus moment, kind of, you know, an introduction to the Vegas scene. So, yeah, I saw a guy with elite talent. I thought a great system for him. And and he's still, in my opinion, a top five player in college football, even this year, even though he's not getting the love that he deserves. Last week, he has over 500 yards of offense, but his team loses the game. Why? Because outside of Lamar Jackson, I got to even question if Louisville's an average team without Lamar Jackson. They might even be a below average team, you know, counting their defense, who I've always thought is below average, but his running backs are banged up. They have cluster injuries. He lost a couple of his top wide receivers from last year. It's Lamar Jackson and everybody else.
1: So, you know, this reminds me of the story, like you hear about wrestling with Vince McMahon, where <laughs> this kid shows up. He's just uh, inserted last minute. does a couple moves. It's impressive. And McMahon looks over and goes, ah, that kid, let him come back. So that's what happened. Actually. I looked at you. I go, who's this guy? He gave Jackson. And then, well, this story doesn't work. Cause we wouldn't have known if it was a good pick until late. Okay. I guess I'm fibbing. All right. Lamar Jackson <laughs> this year. Versus last year, can is he better? Is he the same? Has he regressed? Just him. I know the team's regressed. What do you think of Jackson?
3: I think he's better than he was last year. Here's why the stats won't prove that is because he's trying to force plays. He's trying to make plays under pressure, and he doesn't have the talent around him that he had last year. As star receiver from this year, banged up out early. Uh, Like uh, Brad was saying, running backs, uh, Malik Williams, he's banged up. Their other running back is a converted quarterback in Bonifant who was actually challenging Jackson for the quarterback job a couple years ago. So, you know, it's, uh, he's, doing, he's doing what he needs to do. He accounted for over 500 yards of offense last week himself. Rushed for 180, threw for 322. I mean, the kid still got it. He's dynamic. On another team that had more offensive weapons, they'd be right in the national title hunt.
1: My thought is, and we talked about this on the Fox National Show Friday night, 11 to 12 Pacific, 11 to midnight Pacific, Saturday night, we need an extra hour, 10 to midnight Pacific Saturday nights every week is my thought was Lamar Jackson. When the rest of the team is overmatched, stay away. But when the rest of the team is even or better, he's going to look to run it up stats wise and just frustration wise to some degree. So obviously as a dog
3: here overmatched, Ken leaner like. Uh, on this one, I, I leaned Florida State, but I'm not sold on Blackman yet. The kids still got some growing up to do. And Florida State, I mean, they've given up 18 sacks already. They're minus five in turnovers. So, you know, just uh, the way they blew that game against Miami of Florida down the stretch, it's a game you shouldn't lose at home. They did, and so it'll keep me off them. And this is important,
1: guys, is these pros, these experts, these wise guys, they wouldn't, you know, I'm forcing them with these lanes, meaning, a lean means they're not even considering batting it, considering taking off the rubber band. But maybe let's say, for example, and Ken, correct me if I'm wrong, when you lean Florida State lane six and a half, you think maybe they should be six and a half minus 115 or 120. I would say seven, but that's such a key number. You might not even think they should be lane seven. But over the long run, you think Florida State covers maybe 51% of the time and the other team, Louisville, covers maybe
3: 49, correct? I, exactly right, and yes. I see them, if they win this game, winning between 7 and 10 points.
1: And thus, that's valuable. If you're forcing yourself to play this game because it's a TV game, knowing what the crew, where they lean even, now, obviously, if they like it, it's even better. All right, same question to you, Brent.
2: Yeah, I'm leaning with Florida State here. Uh, I think it's one of the biggest revenge spots of any team's going to have all year. They were absolutely embarrassed last year, lost 63-20, to 20 to Louisville a year ago, one of the worst losses in the history of the Florida state program. And we've seen teams exact revenge on Louisville already. Boston college was embarrassed by Louisville last year. They went outright. NC state got embarrassed last year by uh, Louisville. They beat Louisville this year outright. So for that reason alone, I think that's the number one factor for me that has me leaning with Florida state. Although why I don't like Florida state. And I usually love Florida state is the fact that, uh, you know, when you got an offense averaging 18 points per game, and I expected them, and they couldn't move the football against Duke. And even though Louisville's got a bad defense, I don't know if they can move the football on anyone this year.
3: And here's the thing, though, RJ, as far as that revenge, that's with Francois as the quarterback. Now you have Blackman, who wasn't even part of the team last year as far as that goes. So he's not part of the revenge factor, and he's the guy that's running the ship on offense. If it's Francois, I totally agree, and I'd be all over Florida State if he was quarterbacking in a revenge You'd be laying 13
1: and a half. I don't so. care, and I, and I would lay it. All right. Good stuff, good stuff.
0: Steve, I like Florida State. I think it like them. Yeah, a big part. It's a fade of Louisville. I am where there's smoke, there's fire. RJ, the problems with the basketball. All the allegations of the recruiting and the like, I think it carries over to the athletic department. Who's their head coach of the football team? Petrino. He has a checkered past that is clouded with all kinds of bad decisions. I'm convinced that they have been doing some wrongdoing, that they are still covering up. And that is part of the reason Louisville is so underachieving. And Florida State, my kind of team, three of the last four games have landed within a half a point of the number. I love that. So if I can put in that minus six and a half twice, they've been laying seven. They won by seven. A good number wins when you bet Florida State. What are you doing? Why does the guy don't carry his money in a wallet? Why does the guy carry his money in a roll?
1: You taking off the rubber band on this one? Is it a like or a rub- take
0: off the rubber band Play. I like him quite a bit.
1: Ooh, he's, he's couching it a little bit. A little couching. <laughs> Speaking of premium picks, we'll be having updates on our weekly trend line. Interesting. I'll say that. Interesting this week. Okay. Next game. And this is one, I was looking through the notes and the Notre, I don't think a Notre Dame and domination in the same sentence. And Brad had a stat on this game that was really impressive when it came to Notre Dame.
2: Yeah. It's just, you know, shows their dominance at the line of scrimmage for the season. Notre Dame has rushed for 23 touchdowns on offense on the defensive side of the ball. They've only given up so far through half the season, one rushing touchdown. Just goes to show you that the, you know, the vast improvements on both sides of the ball. Main reason why Notre Dame is five, one straight up and five, one against the number.
1: And at Georgia, Loss keeps looking not as bad, right? Because as the seasons progressed.
2: Yeah, I mean, look at Notre Dame, Georgia, watching that game in week three. You know, it was going up against the Ohio State-Oklahoma game. I thought, ah, it's just a couple of average teams. Reality is, in every other game outside of that one for Georgia and Notre Dame, they've won by, each team's won by at least 20 points in every other game outside of that one.
1: Wow. Every other game other than Notre Dame playing Georgia for Georgia and Notre Dame,
2: they've won by 20 straight up. Twenty or more points in every single other wow. game. Wow,
1: Ken, you are a you, you. were just at the USC game. I was last third, week, third row, right there, USC Utah. Yes. So, Colin Cowherd's been talking about, and, and others too, no buys. Obviously, a lot of pressure around a quarterback that you know some thought would be a number one pick. Now that's becoming a question. Fatigue has to start being an issue. Do you think it is in this game?
3: I think that. Lays into the, uh, the handicap. Yeah. All right, so let's no get, let's get
1: it. to the handicap. Notre Dame favored by three and a half at home
3: over USC. Who do you got? Ken, I have Notre Dame. It's a great spot for them. They come off a bye. Wimbush is healthy. Brad tells me he's a hundred percent. If that's true, the combination of Wimbush and Adams, and you've got McIntosh Williams and Jones jr. They've got five running backs counting Wimbush, the quarterback that are going to continually put pressure on SC's defense who come off the very physical game with Utah he found a way to get it done. Look, Sam Darnold is a number. He, he's a first-round pick. There's no doubt about it. He's playing with a line of uh, you know offensive line now that there's three guys of the five that started the season. He played with two guys of the five for a couple games. This guy improvises with the best of them. He led SC when they were trailing 21-7. On a 93-yard drive, an 88-yard drive, and a 98-yard drive. Those were the three scoring drives that SC had against Utah, one of the more prolific defenses in the Pac-12. So he's, a, he's definitely a first-rounder, but this is just a great spot for Notre Dame. They're fresh, they're healthy, they're going to continually run the ball, and they'll make a tip pass or two and probably get a pick off Darnold, and I expect Notre Dame to win this game between 7 and 17 points.
1: All right, that's a like, a like from Ken. So, Brad, this is your one pass. Uh, it seems like Ken was quite convincing there and Ken, and we'll talk about it right after this game has had an amazing run recently is why not Notre Dame?
2: Uh, it's because they really haven't faced a legitimate passing attack yet. This year, they haven't faced any team that has a top 50 passing attack. Even mind Georgia had a true freshman making his first career start on the road. So that was an ideal spot for Notre Dame as far as their defense goes. And that one, I mean Temple, Boston College, Michigan State with an average quarterback, but they just haven't faced anyone at the ca- caliber of talent as a Sam Darnold, and that could. So, yeah, okay. I mean that could be an impact, and this was a secondary coming into the season that was going to be a question mark.
3: Do you agree with that, Ken? I do agree with that, a hundred percent. But I also agree that their defense is a lot better than we think they are. And also on the offense, when you're, you know, you lose 20 to 19 to Georgia, but you're winning that game till the end. And Georgia is one of the fastest defenses in the country. I mean, so that showed me a lot from Notre Dame. They, they probably should have won the game. They lose it, but they haven't skipped a beat since. Look, you play who's on your schedule. This is a game. They timed it perfectly. They knew Darnold and the team and USC is going to be good. And they want revenge from last year. I was at the game last year when USC beat them up.
0: Yeah, like Notre Dame with uh, Ken, any USC game that he likes, I like typically uh, that George game could go either way. And the rationale there is when a guy is an expert
1: handicapper and a fan and is able to remain objective, which all experts typically are. Your insight's going to be deeper with USC. I agree
0: 100%. And you look at the Georgia game, a 50-50 game. Could have gone either way. Notre Dame wins that game. Boom. They're they're the team that's ranked third in the country. Laird in laying seventh for sure in this game. Mm-hmm. And they've basically been in cruise control for a month while USC keeps having every game go down to the wire. It's a great spot with the better team.
1: And, guys, you can see the reoccurring theme, which is Fez. And the boys trying to find mispricing based upon misperception, things like, and it's not so much misperception. It's just people don't realize Notre Dame probably wins that Georgia game half the time, but to them, they lost the game to the average public. And for Fez, you're thinking it's half a win. And that difference is where there's potential under, or there's uh, Notre Dame is undervalued. Ken, we're going to let you talk about your recent streak. Do you have any closing thoughts on this game?
3: No, I just think right. again a great, great spot, especially off the bye. That's a that's a key. All
1: right, so we've got a little background music. It's called the Vindicator. Now it's only about a minute, so you can talk about your streak. The Vindicator is on in background, but you can't go past the Vindicator. So here we go. Oh, wait, the Vindicator's not even starting. You start and I'm gonna go get the
3: Vindicator straight. Go there you, there you go. The streak was eight, one, and one last week, and I was upset at the one push with Memphis because they should have won that game, should have been nine and one. But I did say on the show last week that not only would Boise State cover against San Diego State, they had a great chance to win the game. Said the same thing about Arizona State. And the line kept going against me. 18.5-point underdogs at home. They shut Washington, highly mighty Washington, down to seven points. Shut them out in the sec- in the first half and only gave up the one touchdown. Very impressive to get... Uh, that that run, and I'll take it. You know, you're only as good as your last Saturday, so I'll take it.
0: <laughs> the vindicator and the late it. money was with you with Arizona State. It crashed down to 17 right before they kicked off. The big money was waiting. All right, so
1: that and again, listen, it's one thing to win. It's one thing to win a bunch of games on a Saturday, but having an 18 point dog yeah. win out and I, I
3: had it on the money line plus 650, and
2: it was the best bet on this very podcast for him last week. This music's justified, yes.
1: You know, in a few seconds, you're going to hear like angels. Listen, angels, listen.
2: Now that is vindication, baby. Kent talks. <laughs> you got music for my best bet, uh, Grim Reaper.
0: <laughs>
1: Halloween oh, music. Brad Powers oh, did go three and oh. And hold on, yeah, no, video. Hold, right. hold on, hold
2: on. Yeah. yeah How, how's your best bet All right. So, you know, on the podcast last week, I gave out New Mexico plus two and a half. A great bet because New Mexico closed in some places a three-point favorite, so RJ, I'm ahead of a five, five-and-a-half-point line move. From, matter? from Tuesday afternoon till Saturday. Yeah, it moves five, five-and-a-half points. Ooh, I, I got a good one here. Final score for my New Mexico bet, Fresno State 38, New Mexico nothing. Only missed the, the, the spread by 40 points. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Just a little bit outside. No one, no
1: one is going to say there's not full transparency. All right, next game. Pros versus Joes. I love it. We've got LSU, a lot of narrative obviously around Orgeron. We've got Mississippi, and LSU is on the road favored by six and a half. The pros on Mississippi. The Joes on LSU. Brad, who
2: do you got? Lean or like? I'm with the pros. I like Mississippi. And the probably the reason why the Joes like LSU is they were against LSU with the public pounder that we talked about on the Friday show. And they lost going up against LSU because they had Auburn last week. So looking at this matchup, it's real I'll be honest, it's very tough to trust either team at this point. They have a couple, in my opinion, lame duck type of coaches, definitely on Ole Miss's side. But one thing I have seen from them in the last six quarters, and I kind of saw it in the post-game press conference after the Auburn game, they said they were not going to quit. They were embarrassed against Alabama. They're down 35 to 3 against Auburn. You think the season's over? They have an interim coach. They've gotten killed. And what they've done offensively since then is among the best in the country. They rolled up over 600 yards last week. They got a great quarterback in Patterson. Mm-hmm. LSU is not a great front-running team. When they're thrown in the trash, that's when you want to buy LSU. Off two big wins, this is the time, in my opinion, the pros are right spot on. I want to play against LSU in this spot.
1: All right, but it's a lean.
2: It's a lean on Ole Miss, plus the points.
3: Leaner like Thomas. I, I like uh, Ole Miss. I, I definitely love Shea Patterson. I think this kid's a gamer. He's a tough son of a gun, like the way that he won against LSU. I mean, uh, that he went against uh, last week against Vandy. They just yep. blew him out. And LSU, I just watched that game back again because I was at the SC game, so I DVR'd a bunch of games. I literally, that was the last one I watched before coming here. LSU did everything right in the second half to pull off that win. I had him on the money line. I had him. I'm glad I was watching it on my phone, just going back and forth on the score without watching the game. they were very fortunate. They got the punt return from Shark, and that changed everything, kept them in the game. Auburn looks back and they know they could have put him away in the first quarter when they were up 17 nothing. They extended to 20 nothing. It probably should have been 30 nothing at that time. And they left the door open and it came back to bite them. LSU spent everything. I like Eddie O, but this is a super bowl type game for Ole Miss. They can get back into the good graces of the folks there in Oxford with a nice win at home against the Bayou Bengals. All
1: right. Lean, lean fast pass. Don't have much on this one. All right. We keep it simple. All right. So we got the pros. On Mississippi, Ken on Mississippi, Brad on Mississippi, Joe's LSU. All right, we're hitting the stretch here. Wow, we got a lot of actionable picks coming up. We've got two totals. So the boys only get one total each. So these are the two totals, one each, that they really like. We've got two smart money games. We've got one double like and then three best bets. And one of the best bets is going to be, A massive crossfire between Fez and both of the college football wise guys. And he doesn't look scared. He doesn't look scared at all. Could be that $55,000 parlay he hit a couple weeks ago. It's making everything seem just a little bit better. I know it would for me. All right. First total game. Washington State favored at home by 11 over Colorado.
3: And Ken, you've got a total pick. Yeah, I like this game to go over. It back in the Palouse. Washington State thoroughly embarrassed, thirty-seven-three, losing the Friday night game. I had I, I played Cal in that game, and I also you know ended up playing Syracuse. Those two Friday standalone games, those are different games. USC lost to Washington State up in the Palouse on a standalone Friday game. So those are games where they understand the whole country's watching, and the crowd gets in there into it, and sometimes things can kind of snowball and an avalanche hit Washington State big time in Berkeley. Nine sacks. That's how many times Falk went down. He will bounce back. He threw five interceptions in that game. He will bounce back. He'll put up big yardage against the Colorado secondary that's nothing like it was last year, a defense that just gave up 45 to Arizona a couple of weeks ago and 36 to Oregon State last week in Corvallis. Now they're going to go to the Palouse. I think Wazoo's going to you know probably get in the 40s here. And I think Colorado, they know how to score. Uh, Montez and Lindsay, good combination at quarterback-running back. So, I would think that there's going to be a ton of points here. I think this game, its totals 56. I think this t- they'd definitely be in the 70s, RJ. All right,
1: so not that de- you think definitely, but we know not definitely. Yes. <laughs> um, to me, as a as a casual, and again, I I am pretty involved in college football, but relative to these guys, casual is Leach is the type that he gets, he's, he's a brilliant guy. I, I know him a little bit. He is a next level thinker. And obviously you don't need me to tell you that. Look at what he's done. And his offense has been truly innovative. I mean, of all those run and shoot offshoots from way mouse Davis way back when is leech has done some of the most interesting stuff. And really it's one of the last old school run and shoots. that's still, you know, running right. And, and he's still being obviously successful with it. Um, People forget he was the O.C. when Oklahoma won the title Uh, and uh, the, the, you know, Stoops is only title, I guess. Right. So um, I got a feeling he wants to make a statement. When you get his attention, you're going to get something good from from Leach. And thus, when you have an 11 point favor, you expect if he has a chance to put 14 on late, he's going to to make a statement. So along those lines, Brad, leaner like on the side.
2: Yeah, I lean on Washington State minus the points Uh, to kind of carry over what Ken says. Outlier performance for Washington State. They didn't have problems moving the football last week. They had well over 400 yards. Falk throws five picks. Keep that. uh, You talk outliers. This is a quarterback that threw two interceptions in the first six games of the season. Throws five for the first time in his career. First time a Washington State quarterback doesn't throw a touchdown pass in like three plus seasons. So outlier horrible performance on the offensive side of the ball for them. I like a big bounce back effort. And I will I will totally agree with your total on the over. Colorado's defense is banged up. It was a team that I said, "Hey, this is a good over team coming in this season." You know, they lose their defensive coordinator, lost a lot of NFL, rare NFL talent for them. That defense is starting to wear down. I've seen it the last two weeks. The over is a great call. So this is just the lean lean on Washington state. Uh, you only allow me one total. There's a lot of totals. I kind of so, like,
1: so you would actually, I like would if like you had a second total, this would
2: be it. Absolutely.
0: Wow. Okay, guys. So almost like a double like on the total. Fez. Let's do the correlated parlay. Why not? The Brain Trust likes the favorite and they like the over. I like the fact they didn't score a touchdown at Cal. You got to feel they work on offense for eight straight days. We're going to lay it and play it parlay to the over.
1: I tell you, Fess is pretty good as a counter puncher. Pretty good. Next game, the second total. Brad, you said your second total would be Washington State. This is your number one total. It's in TCU, who is laying 38 and a half at home against Kansas
2: and you like, I like the over in this one. And I think there's mispricing because of last week's games involving both these teams TCU, Kansas State. Games delayed three hours. It's played in not great field conditions. Wind, rain, 26 to 6 final in that one. So that easily goes under the total by three touchdowns and was bet down. On the flip side, same thing. Iowa State, Kansas game last week. It was a game that was played in wind and rain. Kansas only has four first downs in that game. Gets shut out by Iowa State. But the reality was prior to that game, Kansas had been a dead nut over team. All five of their games have gone over the total. I think it's a pretty cheap number prior to last week's games. This would have been a total at least in the low to mid-60s. I'll take advantage of that. Give me the over.
3: RJ, you know what I want to jump into just for a second as far as totals. I think a lot of people will look, and if they see rain or something quickly, they're going to go under. Wind, to me, is even more of a deterrent for me for to sure. go over. I mean especially oh, when you oh, have that Oh, whoa, whoa, a deterrent to go over. Yes. Yeah, so when you have that wind, wind in your face wind, when you when teams are usually only able to pass two quarters of the four because the or wind's even going cross against you. Crosswinds are right. a It's just yeah, you got to check and, and know those and crosswinds are and and wind in itself is very important. A good friend of mine is uh highly uh successful on the Wrigley Field winds and a lot of times People go, oh, the wind's blowing out. The wind's blowing 40 miles away. Yeah, it may be, but it may be a crosswind. If you don't know which way that wind's blowing outside of, you know, it could be blowing out, but it could be going left field to right field. You got to you gotta know the wind.
1: I agree 100%. Fez, I'd like to get your thoughts on this, and then we're going to get the side pick from Ken. In general, if you just told me blind, I couldn't have any details, hey, it's semi-cold, you know, it's 1820 degrees. I'm pretty neutral on the way that's going to affect scoring maybe 18 but 25 or so i'm pretty neutral unless the teams are really warm weather teams when it comes to some sleet or snow you know obviously based on the temperature i actually would blindly play over if you told me i'm going to give you 10 games with sleet You have to play all over or all
0: under I'm playing over. Do you agree with that? Yes, because the odds makers and the betters overreact to a forecast of snow. It's not like it's higher scoring in snow, but it's about the same. Yeah. But
1: you could also make the case that the offense knows where they're going. The defense doesn't. And you, and if an offensive player slips, this is almost that. Remember we talked about the asymmetric risk. If a, uh, and we were talking about line moves, right? If a defensive player slips, then it's a situation where it's a touchdown pretty much, right? If an offensive player slips, well, that's just one person not running their pattern. So I I would make the case. Maybe it is slightly more scoring, but even if it's neutral, I think the the
0: lines tend to drop, cause a sleep. And real important with the rain, I am biased towards artificial turf. I don't care if it's raining at all on a grass field. It's hard to score in mud. So if you have a deluge, like in in the Mm -hmm, orange bowl, mm -hmm. that's where I would look to play under on a grass field. All right, I agree with that 100%. And lastly on this, with wind,
1: almost always if the wind's significant, the market under-considers the way it's going to hold down scoring. Agreed? Strongly agree. All right, so in this game, Ken, we've got the total pick now which is over from Brad powers is one and only
2: total. He's a, to- I would say what half your premium picks totals. It's a softer market. Uh, I'm more aggressive. I'm probably more aggressive than most uh, guys when it comes to totals. I don't mind having half my picks being totals picks.
1: Okay. And can on this game leaner, like on the side, lean
3: on TCU and, uh, a little, Couple factors. Couple factors are uh, for Kansas they've been outscored their last two games one ten to nineteen. Now the uh, the bad weather against Iowa State, but they got demolished by Texas Tech the game before that. And I just see more of the same. TCU to me is a very athletic team and I think they're gonna come out. They were frustrated last week. They only put up the twenty six points in the weather conditions, but I like the way Kenny Hill's playing. I think he's really a polished quarterback right now, and I think that the you know, the whole team, the defense, is going to shut Kansas down. They're that athletic, that I think Kansas, even though this game goes over, Kansas is not going to score more than 14 points in this game.
2: I do have a couple of stats that i got to bring up here as far as trends. Kansas has now lost 43 consecutive road games dating back to 2009. RJ is going to ask me, well, what's the spread run? I, it's, it's terrible, 12, 30, and one push. So not only 43 consecutive losses, but a team that's hitting what? Thirty percent against the spread. What's interesting in this series, though, Kansas has somehow owned TCU. The TCU's been an average favorite of twenty-nine points per game the last five years, but somehow have only managed to win those games by an average of seven points per game. So Kansas, the last five years, is five and zero against the spread against TCU with an average cover of more than three touchdowns per game.
1: You know something, and again, I've got uh, my best buddy was at KU for quite a while uh, over a decade. And he was there with Mangino and he was one of the true disciplinarians uh, in college football. And those that remember that story, he won the Orange Bowl. Kansas football won the Orange Bowl in 2008, if I'm remembering. Seven. Yeah, I guess it would have been in 2008, right? The 2007 season, I agree with that, is, uh, and then the next season, (laughs) the, the, uh, no, no, that, yeah. I think that, no, maybe that's not right. Maybe it's 2008 and nine, because if I'm not mistaken, it was the January, 2008 that LSU and Ohio state played, but I guess I were I was at both those games. It doesn't matter. Okay. But either way in that range, about 10 years ago, low less KU won the orange ball. The idea of what's happened to this program. I mean, Man, Gino didn't get the publicity of, you know, nationally of some of the great
3: coaches. We talked about this last night and said, man, can you believe what that guy did with Kansas football? It's remarkable.
1: And it was they had to leave the cornerback now from Denver. He was the one real A-plus player. Um, But to me... They went against discipline because the whole how hu- you know the whole hubbub with him was he was too rough on the players. It wasn't any specific thing necessarily that he hit someone or even with the, you know, even with his fist or, you know, a baseball bat. It was just, oh, he was too hardcore. And you know how it is with ADs that A D wasn't happy with him because he wouldn't go fundraise and it's all that internal crap that shouldn't matter, but it did.
3: But since they was that where ha- RJ was that around the time when did the leech stuff with Craig James's kid happen? You know, it was right around
1: there. That's and it what was, I it, And Brad, you probably remember better than me, but it was also right now again. Leach, from what they said, was a little more wild, and then it was the same time as another guy on the Snyder tree. Because remember, man, Mangino was a GA for Snyder. People don't realize that either. Is the the guy the guy from Levitt, Right from South yep. Florida was about the same time. They all got into trouble. Um, but Kansas has gone for softer, touchier-feely, feelier coaches. Weiss, not so much touchy-feely, but you can make the case he was disengaged at that point after Notre Dame. And I think road teams is about discipline, right? It's all about like a Belichick is better on the road, and quite frankly, a Tomlin isn't, because I think teams that are more consistent and disciplined. And hardcore do better on the road. So it doesn't surprise me, KU, in this time, a struggle on the road because the coaches have been a little less intense. That's an excellent
2: excellent analysis for you.
1: You know, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do that.
3: His Twitter handle is at RJ in Vegas.
1: That kind of insight, Brad, is there all the time. Well, maybe not that good, but pretty good. PreGame.com, I am RJ Bell. We got Brad Powers. We got Ken Thompson and we've got Steve Fezic. Fez, we didn't get your thoughts on this game. Anything.
0: All that man Gino talk has me hungry to play Brad's <laughs> over, which I thought he made a compelling case for.
1: Oh, he, oh he, he, he was hungry. That's true. All right. We're down to the best of the best. Not best bets, but the best of the best. We've got smart money. Two, two, two smart money games. Miami at home favored by 15 against Syracuse. Now this is a smart money game and the smart money is on Miami, Miami, the favorite. Now the source of this CG technology, the biggest bookmaker in Las Vegas, taking the most bets. I mean, it's just a matter of fact, taking the most bets and Maddie Holt, who is part of the wise guy round table with Fez and me with the NFL, that comes out Thursday morning, he gives us these smart plays right from his biggest batters. This is as sharp as information as you can get. Sharps on Miami. Brad,
2: lean or like I lean with the not with the sharps. I actually lean with Syracuse here. So <laughs> Explain your square handicap. Well, uh, it's Syracuse. I think is actually continues to be <laughs> undervalued in the marketplace. Even after a, a big outright upset win over Clemson l- last week, this is, was a legitimate game where it wasn't, they didn't beat Clemson because they're plus five turnovers and everything. They took it to Clemson from start to finish. I think their quarterback finally getting the publicity that he deserves a dual threat guy. And it's also me looking back to last year. Well, how did they handle and maybe a possible outright upsets last year. They beat Virginia tech as a 20 point underdog outright very next week. They go on the road. They're an underdog to Boston college. They win that game outright. So past history says (laughs) extremely short sample size, but at least it said last year with this coaching staff, they handled pulling an outright upset the very next week. Very well.
1: All right. So sharps and me on Miami, (laughs) Brad powers with a lean on the square Syracuse.
3: Can lean or like? I'm gonna. So I'm gonna be right with you, Brad. I'm gonna <laughs> lean with. And he, and here's why. There you go. <laughs> and I'm a Huey fan. <laughs> All right. Explain the square handicap, Ken. All right. First off, Dino Dino Babers is an outstanding coach, and I think he's starting to get some recognition. And the win against Clemson puts him on the map nationally because a lot of people have no clue about Syracuse unless they're thinking about Bayheim and uh, the basketball team. But a couple tough losses, and I like the way non-conference go down to the Bayou, take on LSU, lose that game by nine, but never uh, really out of it, and then go to NC State and lose by eight. This is a darn good NC State team, too, so not intimidated in Raleigh. It's a Miami team that, quite frankly, is playing to the level of the competition and finds himself in close games. Very fortunate to beat Georgia Tech. Yes, the yardage-wise, they outgained them, and the weather was End of the day, you had to pull it out in the last seconds to win that game. Same thing against Florida State, and it's not a great Florida State team. They pulled that game out that they were trailing in the final minute. I don't see this team as a team that's going to beat somebody that's quality, that takes care of the football, and has a good, solid, heady quarterback, beating them by 14 or more points. I just don't see it.
1: You know, I really like that the wise guys are willing, because that's the thing. Wise guys, it's not a union. They don't sit around. They sit around this table, but all of them don't sit around a big oak table with cigars, right, Fez? So, now, you are contrarian. You have the guts maybe to go three in a row and get hit with Huey, but who knows? Lean or like? I just don't like Huey. I'm going to pass. I love what you guys are saying. <laughs> now, now, let's be honest. If, you, if they didn't get hit by Huey twice... If would you what
0: way would you believe the Huey science, if this is it i gotta pass you know that song right by him i i love what but you're who saying. force play no force play i'm pa- <laughs> i'm passing i don't you can't force force me to play on this i don't like miami i've gone on air saying i don't like miami because they're two lucky wins however i refuse to bet on a team that just had you can talk about beating virginia tech they just beat the number two team in the country tear down the goalpost biggest win at syracuse football history if I was going to bet on Syracuse, why wouldn't I wait for a game where Clemson's quarterback doesn't get hurt and they lose by 14 in somewhat of a misleading final. And I get 21. Now I'm getting a little bit robbed short chains on the spread.
1: I got to be honest. Fez is getting sharper at this because I mean, it wasn't just a week ago. He made this horrible joke about the Miami dolphins. The guy maybe was making pizza at home, the O-line coach. And it was so bad. And then after he gave his handicap, I go, Fez, what was that joke? Like, real sincerely? And he looked at me like, he, you, he, he, instinctually he knew he shouldn't go down this road, but part of him thought, was it really funny? And he started telling the joke, and then I went. <laughs> so I was setting him up with a,
0: <laughs> with a forced, I wanted to hit him with the Huey, he wouldn't fall for it. RJ was like that Pennywise clown in It. <laughs> Reach out and take the Huey.
1: <laughs> Pregame.com. That's Steve Fezzik, Ken Thompson, Brad Powers, the wise guy. Roundtable, I'm R.J. Bowler. A second smart game. Oh, let's hope they're squared. Let's hope they're squared. All right, smart game. And, Brad, let's start this when This is Okie State favored by seven at Texas, and you've got a super trend on this game.
2: Yeah, and it deals with uh, the head coach, Tom Herman, Dating back to his days as an offense coordinator, at Ohio State, as an underdog now, 13-0 and 0 against the spread with 11 outright upsets. So not only doing the job at Ohio State as the coordinator in the underdog role, head coach at Houston, did it there, and it's carried right over here to Texas where he's got a couple of covers in the underdog role.
1: And I love people that follow coaches from place to place because... You know, you can have a computer program with a little basic A.I. look at and find some trends. And, hey, some of that's helpful, especially if there's logic there. But the idea of a guy going from place to place and having similar qualities as a coach, uh, and we talked about this on the Fox National Show, it's your thought, correct me if I'm wrong. This is about Herman being just a winner. The sense of, and again, that sounds a little generic. Oh, he's a winner because he won. No, a confident guy, an alpha, a guy who is so prepared that it's contagious. Would you agree that's probably the rationale here? Absolutely. All right, so the sharp side is Texas. So Brad and then Ken,
2: Brad, lean or like? I lean with Texas plus the points. So no Huey. <laughs> the I sharp side. Yeah, if the if the line was slightly lower and I wasn't getting the full touchdown, we might have struck up Huey again here. You know, the concern that why it's not a like for me on Texas, I watched the end of that Oklahoma-Texas game. Both teams very exhausted. It was a game that had ebbs and flows. One team's up. The other team rallies. Played in 90-degree heat. A lot of players with cramps. And if there's one team you don't want to play exhausted, it's Oklahoma State, who, by the way, is pretty fresh coming off a bye and a beat down of Baylor. But that stat with Herman is so overwhelming to me that I'm not going against the 13 and 0 against the spread trend. Give me Texas plus the points. And that's a lean, Lean
3: only. Leaner like Ken. Same thing. Same thing. Lean with Texas. And it was seven and a half when I leaned on it and seven now. So the money is coming in on Texas. And it's a, to me, it's a, it's the right side if I'm going to play. But again, the crowd with, uh, they're in Austin. They're getting behind this team. They were a little disgruntled in the early loss to Maryland and, the tough loss to USC, though, I think really got the backers there behind Herman saying, okay, this guy's got potential. And the way that they didn't quit against Oklahoma, found themselves down 17-0 in that game. Storm back, actually got a one-point lead, ended up losing 29-24. So they see the writing on the wall, and they have a freshman quarterback. So they understand that the future is bright there. Got a new coach, got a gunslinger quarterback that just rushed for over 100 yards in that lost Oklahoma. They're there. Their lunch pail type mentality is going to keep them in the game and the crowd's going to be into it. Oklahoma State, on paper, is dynamite. They're the best offense in college football. And, uh, you know, quite frankly, Texas better, you know, play for 60 minutes. Otherwise, Oklahoma State is that good that can blow them out. That's why it's only a lean because I respect the offense of Oklahoma State. And James Washington, probably the best receiver in the country.
1: All right, Sharps on Texas. Brad, lean Texas.
0: Ken, lean Texas. Steve Fezzik. We'll lean with Texas. The odds of successfully navigating a 13-0 against the spread run is 8,000 to 1. Not going to go against that.
1: That's true, right? 10 to 1 is a 1,000. Eh, that's pretty good. Pretty good. I agree. Um, now, listen, some skeptics out there might say, I've never heard Brad or anyone using offensive coordinator stats and blending, in, in, blending them into head coaching stats. I think there's some truth to that, right? Is that's a, you're an Ohio guy, Brad, you follow that program closely. Now to me, it doesn't mean that there's not other trends we're missing because we don't follow OCs as closely, but it doesn't change the fact it is 13 and 0. So we can debate, oh, as OC how much of an effect is he going to have and you know, how much of his Urban Meyer? But I, I think it, it, it isn't a hundred percent clean, but why bucket?
2: Yeah. And it's also the Urban Meyer mentality. Erwin Meyer's assistants, a lot of times. If you look at the Dan Mullins, the Charlie Strongs, a lot of these guys from his coaching tree are in better in the underdog role more often than not.
1: Good stuff. All right, guys, we're down to the final four games a double like and then three best bets. And this first best bet after the double like, it's going to be the wildest crossfire we've ever seen because it's Fezzik against both of the college football experts. But first, a double like, we have Oklahoma. On the road, favored by twelve and a half against Kansas State. or we know it's a like. Who do you like, Kent?
3: I like Oklahoma. I just think the offense, uh Baker Mayfield and company, they know they nearly squandered that game to Texas. And all of a sudden they looked up and they were down twenty-four-twenty three. They had the nice drive, missed the two point conversion. But there's so much offense here. And with Kansas State having to match scores, they couldn't do it with TCU. And TCU's offense isn't as good as Oklahoma, So I really think that uh, Mayfield will have another solid day. They played that game also without Abdul Adams. And I don't know how healthy he'll be right now. He's questionable. But I like the freshman sermon. He's solid. Uh, batted also a little bit questionable there for Oklahoma. But Mark Andrews, one of the best tight ends in the country. And Kansas State, Alex Delton. Again, you've got to show me that you can move the football consistently. And the kid can run, he's got speed. But how much space is he going to have against Oklahoma who's trying to shore up the defense? I I really don't know. And I think right now, Kansas State, they're in trouble. They didn't get any pressure on TCU's quarterback. They had zero sacks, gave up for. That's not good going against Mayfield. You don't put him on his wallet a few times, you're going to get burned.
1: Oklahoma the like, and we know it's a double like. Brad, why do you like Oklahoma?
2: Uh, It's more of a play against Kansas State and the quarterback. The backup, at least we thought coming into last week, we thought, hey, he's a more dynamic runner. Probably not as good of a passer as what Ertz was. Well, the reality is he's about the same as far as the running aspect goes. And he's well below what Zach Ertz is, the quarterback for Kansas State, as a passer. Only 10 first downs last week for him. If you're going to trade score for scores, they just don't have enough offensive firepower. And then you start looking back at their schedule. How in the world does this offense score seven points against Vanderbilt Ever since then, Vanderbilt's allowed more than 500 yards to every single one of their opponents. This is a Kansas State team that was all about their quarterback, Ertz, as the playmaker. He's not there now. They won't be able to keep score for score with the Sooners.
3: RJ, real quick, and that uh, showed in, in the box score last week, too. Uh, there are two running backs, Silman and Barnes, nine carries for 21 yards. Why? Because the defense, TCU, bringing everybody to the line of scrimmage, saying, you throw the ball, you throw the ball, you can beat us. The kid can't throw the ball right now. Quick question, Brad. So you've got some, a lot of trends on Bill Snyder as a dog.
1: So just ignore I'm cracked about that, right? Absolutely. 33 it, and 18. All right. So this is one you actually not only are saying, cause I would think you would say because of the quarterback, I can't play on him, but I don't want to buck that you're bucking that.
2: I am bucking it. And, and it's yeah. that much hate against the quarterback. Yeah, it's strictly against the quarterback. When you, can't, I mean, he could not throw. He's 10 out of 30, and I know the weather wasn't great, but it was beyond awful, and they don't have anyone that can help them out uh, as far as the skill position, and their special teams is, aren't as good. I just don't see how they put points on the board against Oklahoma here.
0: Fez, we got two likes. What do you got? I'm going to pass. I understand that the backup quarterback couldn't play a lick, but it's a one-game data point. And so it's not a leap of faith. It's logical to assume he can't play a lick, and he'll be equally as bad, and you'll win your bet. But 33 and 18 is still more significant. I pass.
1: Three games left, three best bets. Here's our new best bet theme. I can't lie. I've been cackling about this for a couple of days.
3: Don't know about the future. That's anybody. (laughs) <laughs> Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed Fire up your pen and pencil I give you a piece of my mind
1: <laughs> You cannot do that <laughs> wow. You Some, love it, don't you, Somebody Brad, has Dan. too much time on their hands You yeah. love it, Brad yeah. I don't sleep, Ken oh. That's,
3: right. <laughs> That's what I'm doing late at night You're, right. hanging, out, you're hanging out with the Miami offensive <laughs> <laughs> line coach oh.
1: Oh, Pizza, pizza, nice. right, right? There you go <laughs> Unfortunately, there's the truth to the pizza part. All right. We got three best bets brought to you by Blossom and Joe. (laughs) I'm sorry. I grew up in the eighties. All right. I'm sorry. All right. So we're going to start with our crossfire here, Fez, but actually we've got a power ratings disagreement on the same game. So I want to hit that. This is Ken's disagreement. And then we'll get into the crossfire. We don't want to shortchange anybody is Penn State is at home favored by 10 against Michigan. And Ken, you disagree with Brad Power's power rating on Michigan.
3: Yeah, it's the second week in a row. And, you know, we're trying to stay within the games that we're going over to find a power rating disagreement there. So Michigan was my power rating disagreement. I don't think they really helped themselves Last week, as far as, and I know you did mark them down a couple more points uh, against Indiana. I just don't think this team's a top 23. 24, so so where know, do I you have them,
2: them Brett? A number 17 in the country. And I had them 24. So what do you think? So where are they at in the AP? I think they're right around the uh, 13 range. So I got them lower than the AP. Okay. So what do you think?
1: Now, I get the AP. Some of that's going to be about the, the pedigree, the Michigan, the Harbaugh. What do you think the core disagreement is between you two? Like when you hear Brad talk Michigan, when you hear other professional batters talk Michigan, where, where do you
3: think they're wrong? I think they're wrong because of based on who they have played so far, they've played virtually nobody and they can't move the football. I mean, you have a starting quarterback that threw for 58 yards last week. That's ridiculous for a Michigan team. You, I mean, this team struggled with air force They struggled with Cincinnati. These are not good teams. Air force is two and four. Uh, Cincinnati, whatever they are, two and four. I mean, they, these are not even good teams. And Michigan's, le- and co- those games were at home. I, I just don't see this Michigan team as being a top 25 team at all in my book.
2: And I'll say this I mean, you make a lot of sense, but I'm actually lower as far as the expectations of Michigan than the rest of the Vegas market because my pure power rating number on this game, not even factoring the buy or anything like that for Penn State, says this line should be like 11 or 12. So it says that I'm lower. Or it could be that I'm a little bit higher on Penn State as well.
1: All right. Well, we're heading into best bet from Fez and a crossfire. So, Fez, I'm letting you give your best bet first, and we'll let the boys take turns on you.
0: We're going to take Michigan plus the 10 points. It's all about... The point spread and where these teams were last year, I refuse to believe there can be this much of a correction. Just last year, Michigan was laying 16 against Penn State at home. They won by 39. So I said, oh, you know, I'm circling this game. Huge revenge spot. Penn State, I'm going to bet them, pick them next year. Michigan's down. Penn State's up. And now, after Penn State's gone undefeated, Michigan did drop a game. I'm staring at 10 historically under Harbaugh, they they play Ohio State twice. The biggest underdog that they've been in those two years is five. They've only lost one game in the past two years by more than seven points. I know Penn State has the game circled. You don't think Harbaugh, as intense as he is, doesn't know his team is a ten-point underdog. I think both teams absolutely bring it. Michigan struggles on offense absolutely core not high on, but it's still an elite defense, and I am not high in Penn State. I think Penn State is massively overrated and should be more like six or seven on the country
1: okay so let's get some of these numbers straight penn state on the road last year was a 16 point dog so give it three points for home so 13 points batter was michigan was the assumption of the line correct
0: yes and the line was very turns out it was very Well, whatever
1: assumption yeah. of the line okay this year without home field Penn or with home field penn state by 10 that's the line without seven right so we're saying there's been a swing of 20 points In one year. That is a big swing. What point of the year did the Penn State-Michigan play last year? Because obviously Penn State came on late. It was early in the year. Okay, interesting.
2: All right, Brad, we're going to let you start. You like... Penn State. Crossfire. Yeah, I like the spot here for Penn State. Fez briefly mentioned it. Although, let me give credit though. Fez made a, a pretty good case. Now, let me start picking up. you going to go over to that side? No, no, no. Absolutely not. <laughs> Why was the line six? I'll start with the line last year. Why was it 16 at the time? Well, we talk about cluster injuries. Penn State was playing walk-ons at linebacker during that game. They're absolutely decimated. And right after that is when the light bulb went on for Penn State on the offensive side of the ball. Keep in mind, they had a new offensive so it took them about a half a season. And since then, Penn State's as far as the spread, only failed to cover two games in like the last 16. So you are paying a little bit of a point spread premium here. But you talked about home field advantage, three. This is not three here. This is with revenge off a of bye, at night whiteout. This is more like a five to maybe even six. This would be one of the biggest home field advantages we see in the college football this season. So I don't know if that's being a price in the line. And again, I'll go off what Ken's going to talk about. How can you, what is is Michigan going to be able to score here? Penn State's defense has been overachieving this year. I think they're a lot better than what I even expected. If you're only getting 58 yards against Indiana's defense, how are you going to put points on the board against Penn State's defense?
1: You know, it just hit me. Fezzik loved Andre the Giant. And this is, I remember Andre used
0: to wrestle two people at once. He's better fighting 100 at once, actually, than just one. He wins the Battle Royals. Yes. (laughs) Andre never lost. Except to Hogan.
1: Hogan must post. Hogan, 15 years. Ah, never, never beaten. No title shot. You know, three years ago, I told him, if he ever does an Andre imitation again, there's trouble. He must be feeling really confident.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Ken Thompson, you're number two yeah and, and here's the thing and it, it's hard to say that you love something and you circled that early but when tony miller put his games of the year out i thought this was a bad line he made the line six and a half and i played penn state in this game because of the 49 10 beatdown they took knowing that mcsorley and barkley were back and it's not just those two guys it's Gasicki. it's uh several guys from the defense that are key components and then you look at Michigan, what they lost. They lost 10 of 11 defensive players. That's why that line has changed. nineteen twenty points based from last year. You have one guy left from that defense. Not only that, on the offense, you hardly have anybody there either. And these guys are struggling against Air Force and Cincinnati in the big house. Now you're going to go to Penn State. They're off a bye. McSorley and Barkley, if they just stay to the, to the task there with the weapons that they have, this game should be a blowout. This game should be a 20 point blowout minimum. And I think the game could be worse than that. 49 10. This game's been circled. Again, don't get conservative, McSorley. Wing the ball around. Get it to Barkley, who's actually their leading receiver this year. But use Gasicki, the tight end. Six foot seven. This guy's underused. 19 catches, four of them for touchdowns.
1: Interesting stuff, as I'm giving you one rebuttal
0: just uh the game against pittsburgh penn state lost to pittsburgh last year so they had that game circled pittsburgh is garbage this year and uh pittsburgh played them pretty even for most of the game aren't you concerned about that
2: That, that's a great point i'll give them one more that michigan defense even though with one starter back number one in the country as far as allowing less yards per game than their opponents are averaging they have allowed season lows for their opponents offenses on every single one of them every single opponent they played They've held them to a season low, six for six.
3: There's not one of those offenses that's in the top 50 in the country. Wow. This is Crossfire. This is Crossfire.
1: One last component. Matty Holt, one of the smart money plays he gave us on Michigan. Fezz in the smart money one way. The other boys the other way. Brad, last thing. You came in on a like. It seems like you're moving towards a lean. Give Faz yeah. a moral... Vi- Are you bet? Are you going to bet Penn State?
2: No, but we're going to do a video. And why I teased the Michigan defense, we're going to do a video on this game. And I'm not going to have Penn State side. You only allow me one total. I actually like the total more than I do Penn State. So it's a double like. And that's it. We're
1: teasing the video is going to have that. The video Go is going to have two. Total. Total. Yep. Search for pregame TV, all one word, pregame TV, and. Yes, go Three 3-0 for Brad Powers on his videos last week. Ooh, that's nice. That's nice. All right. Excellent. Excellent crossfire. Two best bets yet. First, and let's do this quick, is got some bad news. We flattened out, guys. We've been growing like crazy with the dream preview. Actually, the NFL kept growing, and I kind of was challenging you college guys. I brought Fez over hoping to get some crossover also wanted Fez's expertise in college to be shown. So here's what I'm going to do. Cause we stayed flat and we didn't go down. I'm going to give you a different coupon and restart you guys next week at 10. So you will have another cash coupon next week, this week though. and, And for those new listeners, the rationale of this is as we kept growing, it was like, I kept increasing the coupon every week. And we had a heck of a run, but here we are now flat. And because it's flat, I'm going to, you know, not be hardcore is here's your coupon this week, CFB dream 25. So CFB, D-R-E-A-M, the number two, the number five, CFB dream 25, 25% off anything, which actually anything college related, Brad's picks. We know Ken just was hot as a pistol last week. You can get his best bets. You can buy a week. You can buy a month. You can buy anything. And really, if you buy like a month, you're going to be saving, uh, you know, 50 plus dollars with that 25% uh, discount. Or if you just want a weekly package, that's fine too. 25% off anything you want. CFB Dream 25. Hey, guys, get in fact, I'm going to do this. If we can get an uptick this week, I'll start next week off CFB 11. We'll actually skip the 10 if we can get an uptick. And remember, if you don't like premium picks or, you don't, for whatever reason, don't want to pay for them, even at a discount, please go into iTunes. Give us a rating. Obviously, if you're listening, you like the show. Give us a five if you like it a lot. and Or share it with your friends. Email them. Uh, tell them you just go to any, in fact, this is you guys too. If you're just kind of following me on Twitter and you're getting the podcast that way, any podcast player you have just search for RJ bell and you can subscribe that way. Right. When it comes out Wednesday morning, you get it. That's Apple podcasts, which is also called iTunes or any of these platforms. Just search for RJ bell subscribe, but any sharing any five stars, it helps. And for those that do like the premium picks, You've got another coupon this week. Okay, two best bets to go. First one from Ken. We talked about his hot streak. Also, he has a local radio show here in Vegas. Uh, great deep handicapping dive. Brad's on for two hours on Monday nights. You can follow that on Twitter and check out the different streams and such. At SportsX Radio. Ken, best bet.
3: Best bet's going to be Texas Tech back in Lubbock to bounce back from the dismal fourth quarter against West Virginia. They got outscored 29-0 down the stretch. Last touchdown of the third quarter, 22-0 in the fourth quarter. Missed three field goals. Look, Brad and I were both on West Virginia. They win by 11. Very deceptive final, 46-35. Texas Tech should have won this football game. Shimanek's a heck of a quarterback. They have a running game, and they do have some defensive players. Also, Vasher stepped up and out, helped out QT. QT's been their main go-to guy receiving-wise, but Vasher stepped up nicely. They're going to slow down Iowa State. Uh, Campbell's doing a great job there. They go into Norman. They get the win. Shocked Oklahoma. And then they crush Kansas in the wind and rain last week in Ames. But now you're going on the road. Now they're ready for you. They have film on you. And this new quarterback, Kemp, he's going to be up against it. He only threw for 122 in a touchdown last week against Kansas. Again, they ran the ball. Montgomery's the guy they have to shut down. But I think Texas Tech wins this game by double digits, no problem.
1: Tech favored by six at home against Iowa State. Brad or Fez, any thoughts on the game either way?
2: I like the fact that he's playing on a very misleading game and it was playing on a misleading
1: game. What does that mean? Yeah.
2: A misleading final. It wasn't tuition paid because we actually got paid for going up against Texas Tech last week, but we both followed that game very closely and know we were very lucky and fortunate. This was a Texas Tech team that was leading that game 35 to 17 last week as a touchdown underdog and didn't get the cover.
0: That is anything. I'm going to pass. My only concern is that you've got one team that basically had a bye against Kansas, so they're resting up while the other team had an all-in game. But I do want to say with Ken Thompson, Ken, no secret, he texted me his plays throughout the week. He's like, Fezzi, going into a show, get me down. And then we meet up and settle throughout the year. I have to say it's like 14 to 2. I've gone ahead and paid Ken versus him having to pay me for losses. Uh, the man, not just this season, but consistently winning. Okay, you can own open- all right, <laughs> we we,
1: we Fezio, Ken. All right, last best bet, Brad Powers. This is the guy I call him. the – he's the youngest in the crew, much younger than Ken, by the way. But he is a senior. But people wouldn't know if there was video. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Ken Ken looks great, great for his age. That is true. That is true. Is and and those arms. You don't want to mess with this guy either. Let's say that much. And Fez is caressing them somehow. What <laughs> does he have like cocoa butter on there? He could be a professional wrestler. <laughs> That's a good... <laughs> All right, Brad, but I do all joking aside, senior college football analyst, at pregame. Cause he has the, you know, the most depth of knowledge, especially amongst the guys that do the rich media. Uh, Dave Astler, for example, at our site, deep, deep knowledge. And we've got other guys in the forums with deep, deep knowledge, Brad with the rich media leading the way you can follow him and get everything on Twitter at Brad powers seven at Brad power seven. Now it's not quite as good as
3: his Twitter handle is at RJ in Vegas,
2: but follow at Brad power
1: seven best bet.
2: We're going to the conference USA and taking Louisiana tech minus the two and a half. Love the spot here for tech. They're coming in off a of buy playing with revenge against the Southern Miss team that beat them last year and maybe that's why their spread is so low cuz Southern Miss has dominated them the last couple of years while well, here here to tell you last year's game you can throw completely out the window that was a game that Louisiana Tech had no business wanting to even be there they had already locked up a bid to the Conference USA championship game And Southern Miss, meanwhile, was at home senior day with a four-year starting quarterback. Had to win to get to a bowl game. So that explains that final. Louisiana Tech, much underrated. They're off a couple of one-point losses, including one to South Carolina where they should have won. I like Skip Holtz, just like his dad, off a bye with a little bit of an ax to grind. Give me Louisiana Tech minus the two and a half.
1: Best bet, Law Tech. All right, guys, anything on that game? Lean, like, anything either way?
3: I'm, I'm agreeing with my boy. Rustin's a tough place to go and win.
1: All right. Tomorrow. All right. So this comes out Wednesday on Thursday. The NFL Dream Preview. Those boys have been trending up, up, up. The listeners guys, let's let's be honest. I'm on both of these. I don't like I I guess I have to lose one. I want them both trending up. And Fez is going to be with me there with Maddie Holt. You can follow Fez on Twitter at Fezik Sports, F-E-Z-Z-I-K at Fezik Sports. Great stuff there. You can get all my stuff on Twitter and we'll talk to you on the NFL Dream Preview.
0: Thanks for listening to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday. NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit PodcastOne.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for RJ? You can contact him directly on Twitter at RJ in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week. Hey, my name is James Petrigallo. I'm Jimmy Whisman. Please join us every single Tuesday for Crime in Sports. So fun. You like sports? You don't have to. Let's just set up a context and find out what an idiot did wrong. I what do like you say? It. I'm in. We're going to do that each and every week. We take an athlete, we break him down, we make fun of everything he's ever done. Yeah. But in order to do that, we have to build up and tell you all about their career and get you to what, James? To grace. grace. That's and then right. watch them fall from grace Who as doesn't they like inevitably that? do. Join us. Big criminals, small yeah. criminals, sports you've never heard of. Yeah. Doesn't matter. It's the crime. It's the comedy. It's such a good time. Join us every Tuesday for Crime in Sports. You can join us every Tuesday at podcast1.com, the Podcast One app, or subscribe on all Apple products. Find us every Tuesday and laugh at people.
2: Hi there, my name is Susie Schuster.
3: And I'm Rich Eisen.
0: We're teaming up once again in the studio with our new podcast, Not Just Sports, with Susie Schuster and Rich Eisen on Podcast One Sports.
3: In case you're
1: wondering what this show's about, sometimes we're not just sports. Right. Do you see what I'm saying? And that
0: we actually like being in each other's we company. We do. Enough to work together I and think have so. three kids. That's why we haven't spent enough time together that we're sitting here at Podcast One. So we're sports casters and we're parents, so we'll talk sports and maybe parental guidance. Will be suggested every now and then. I would hope so, because this is not an X-rated podcast. No, this that's correct. a family-friendly podcast.
1: It is exactly that. So we're just going to be hanging out, talking sports and other stuff.
0: And I will try to educate you on all things in the NFL, because, Thank of you. course, behind
3: every great man is a greater
0: woman. That's correct. There you Join go. us every Wednesday exclusively on Podcast One. Subscribe today if you know is good for you on Apple Podcasts or at PodcastOne.com or download it on the new Podcast One app.